Hello and welcome again. This is the first uh, lesson in the uh, Fall Encounter, and so I'm excited to get to it. Thank you for Reverend Eric Jacks, who has written for us this quarter. I will say this quarter we need to think about those discussion questions and bring out the discussion among the class. This is going to be for September the 5th, 2021. Going to be over Luke 24. It's called Our Emmaus Road, and so we did the Luke 24 passage uh, last, I think, the spring quarter. But this is written from a different perspective. What we're trying to get here is to learn about how Christ is present. He's been present in the Old Testament. He's present in the New Testament, the Gospels. He's present in the early church. He's present in our lives, even when we can't exactly see how or where Christ is in our lives. But we're going to work on that today as we think through our lesson. All right, um, I wanted to start by showing some different resources that we have. Coming up, we have uh, Advent, and so if you're thinking about different Advent resources, if you go up here to cpcmc.org, and actually you can just put cpcmc.org forward slash we sources, it'll come to this website. So that's we sources, it's like a resource, but with a W. And what that will give you is a place where we have children, youth, adult, and personal devotion material for a couple different um, couple different seasons. We have one for Lent and we have one for Advent. And so go to that and then you have the season of Advent. And if you click on adult, it'll go to the adult study, children's children's study. Click on that button right there. It'll bring up the resource for you got five different lessons you can use these for maybe when you're lighting the advent candle or for a Sunday school class or a Sunday night class or fellowship time uh, when you come up here you can print those off or you can save it and email it to whoever you want to get to but that is available I wanted to let you know about that also wanted to let you know about a day in the park coming up Tuesday October 19th we are going to have to practice some social distancing, so um, we won't be in the uh, sanctuary or in the church because it only holds about 80 people, and so we can't do that as of yet. Uh, but just some information, we're going to have Dr. J. Earhart Brown as our preacher, and Reverend Sandra Shepherd is going to be leading our worship. Pretty excited about that. Also, the Historical Society will be there, and so you'll have an option to walk around. We're asking people to, you know, use their use their brain and, and social distance from your from other groups that you didn't come down with. And uh, we'll be having our worship service in the park, uh, not in the in the church itself. But looking forward to it. So those are some things you can think about. Um, so let's get into our lesson today. So again, uh, September 5th, our prayer for illumination is, through your Holy Spirit, we pray that you will open our eyes to help us see you as our risen Lord in all your beauty and your loving power. Amen. All right, so we're going to be thinking about uh, the full section of Luke 24 today, not just the scripture selection, uh, which is 13 through 35. So anyway, as the title of this quarter um, is is the ever-present Christ. Christ is everywhere, has been everywhere. You can't go anywhere like David says about Yahweh, where could I flee from your presence? Um, but in this passage we are introduced to two disciples who are walking down the road confused because they don't understand what's happened. They put their hope and trust and and the fulfillment of their lives into this Jesus 
and they saw Jesus crucified and put into a grave and so they don't know what to do necessarily they were stunned they they couldn't even recognize Jesus when he was walking in their midst and so sometimes we do the same thing especially during COVID we've gone through rough times we've experienced rough things and it's very difficult sometimes for us to see the presence of Christ in the suffering or the disappointments of life but we can train ourselves to practice the presence and to be aware of the presence of Christ. So again, the discussion questions will be vital uh, for the uh, quarter this this time. And so I wanted to bring up the four that he has in the introduction. The first one is, how do we recognize Jesus in the pandemic? Right? That's pretty hard. I've met plenty of people who, who don't understand or see or their faith has been diminished in some way, shape, or form. I want to show you something that I've done in the past that um, has helped me tremendously in cultivating the awareness of the presence of Christ. It's called the Prayer of Examine. It's from the Jesuits. Um, St. Ignatius uh, first developed this. And basically it's a time in which you purposely sit back and you reflect on the day. You open in prayer asking God to be with you as you think about the day that has been. All right. The next step is you review the past day's events. Remember that each day is a gift from the Lord. Review your day and write down a basic chronology of what happened, noting any particular event or conversation or something that stands out to you. Think about your emotions, how how things were going, and, and did you feel the presence of God? Was the presence of God away from you? Consider your emotions, the next step. Um, our emotions are an important expression of the desires of our hearts. However, we can become unaware of our emotions given the frantic pace of our lives. Reflect on the day's events and list the feelings you experienced throughout the day. Again, it's a purposely saying, where was I in relation to what was happening and where was God? Choose one feature of the day and pray for it. As you examine the events and emotions of the day, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to something God wants you to pay a bit more attention to. Again, this could have been something unexpected during the day. It could have been whatever it may be, but you're purposely just looking back at the day with your mindset on the presence of God in Christ. And then finally, you close your prayer by looking forward to tomorrow. Remember that God patiently leads us each day. Today's mistakes are redeemable, and today's victories do not guarantee success tomorrow. How might you be able to apply what you've learned today into tomorrow? How do we celebrate God in the triumph of his grace? So that is one thing that has taught me or has helped me quite a bit. Uh, in my life to try to practice that awareness awareness of the presence of Christ. I'll have that linked in the newsletter or in the Encounter Helps website. So if you want to get that. Um, the next question is, why is it difficult to focus on Christ's presence? Because we're human and we have lives and our days get overrun. And if we're not intentional, uh, we can go hours upon hours without noticing or thinking about the presence of Christ in our life. Um, ask your Sunday school class these questions because the more you know about them and what they struggle with or what their triumphs are, the better you'll teach down the road. Uh, the third question, why were they blind? Why were the disciples blind to Jesus' identity? Number one, I think it's because we bring up expectations of who Jesus should be. And so they expected Jesus to be something other than someone who was killed and thrown into a grave. And so it was impossible for them uh, to be able to recognize who Jesus was. 
so you know if you're looking for Jesus to be like Santa Claus and all of a sudden you don't get your gift then what now or if you expect Jesus to be this distant person who never really checks in with you then it's hard for you to see when Jesus is right there in front of your face too so anyway uh, these are interesting questions that you can ask your your Sunday school class and then finally why did they recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread we'll talk about this a little bit later in the lesson but it's because there's something powerful in communion with God and when I say communion I mean the actual partaking of the bread and the juice and 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 being ushered into the family dining table if you will with with the rest of with the rest of the congregation so anyway we're gonna do this exploring the scripture now and there's four questions or three questions that um, Reverend Derek wants us to focus on the first one is how does Jesus speak of himself alright so then you can go to Luke 24 um, I'm going to switch over to Bible Gateway here so Jesus says the words these are my words that I've spoke with you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled so Jesus understands that his life was the fulfillment of the redemptive plan of God the law the prophets the Psalms everything testified to who uh, Jesus was and so my caution or what you could ask your Sunday school class is how do we define Jesus today oftentimes we take our 21st century understanding of Jesus and everything that's gone before and we place on Jesus our standards our values our thoughts uh, our ethics instead of the other way around it starts from creation Moses the prophets the Psalms that defines who Jesus is and Jesus affirms that in this uh, passage of Scripture you know me by what was written before don't impose what you think on me but have your mind and heart formed by Moses the prophets Psalms and then define who I am that's who Jesus understands himself to be so we have to be careful uh, how we define Jesus the next question that Reverend Derek Jacks talks about is how does he see his ministry and work again let me switch over here in verse 46 it says thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day I think that's pretty important because as we get things messed up we see uh, suffering as a bad thing but Jesus understood himself as the suffering servant the one who would die right so um, we'll talk a little bit later about this but Jesus understood himself as bearing some suffering for uh, God's people however you want to define that however you want to talk about it but there was a sense in which Christ knew he was a suffering servant and so then that leads us to that second part of that question how did Jesus see his work and so I'm gonna flip over here and go to Luke chapter 4 um, this is where Jesus preaches in the synagogue and he says this when he came to Nazareth he opened up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he found the place where it was written the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor alright so I think this is very important because um, we can't define 
our ministry outside of what Christ said is his ministry. Christ calls us his body, right? So that means that we are conforming to what Christ says is important. His work, his ministry is what we continue on. So the focus of his mission is what we just read in Luke chapter 4. Sight to the blind, release of the captives, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what our ministry as the church has to be. It's what our ministry as Christians is supposed to be. Uh, we t hear a lot about the systems of the world and how they're evil and all that. That's what it says in Scripture. The systems of the world are evil. How do you redeem those? Ultimately, God redeems those by recreating the world when Christ comes back and consummates things. But what we do is call people to repentance, right? Which leads us to uh, the next question that Reverend Derek brings up. What was the focus of Christ's mission? And in... Uh, Luke chapter 4 or Luke chapter 24, he says this, um, Repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Alright, so our ministry then, the focus of Christ's mission, was to call people to repentance. The church calls people to repentance. If we don't like the systems of the world, the only way that we have is to preach the gospel, to call people to repentance, and when they're transformed, they go back into the world and transform the systems of the world. But it starts with the preaching of the gospel to a soul, an individual, and that individual then exercises their uh, transformed reality in, in this world. Right. So we preach uh, and offer forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, so then that leads the, to the discussion question. How does your church reflect the ministry and priorities of Christ? Like, if you look at Luke chapter 4, is your church doing the work of Christ? Is the body of Christ, the church, performing what Christ would have us perform? And you can see how it looks when you go to uh, Acts chapter 1. So Luke 24, Christ ascends. The Holy Spirit comes upon us, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we continue the work of Christ, and we see it in the witnessing, and the and the preaching, and the healing of the people when the church goes forth from Jerusalem into the you know all the world. All right, so that leads us to the digging deeper section. Um, again, it starts with these disciples. They have this unfulfilled hope. This this external situation where they don't understand what's going on uh, everything seemed dark but they were looking through physical eyes they saw the defeat of christ that he was crucified dead and buried and they didn't understand that he was going to be risen so using scripture jesus then redefines reality and that's what we have in scripture you have a world that says this is the way things are but then scripture says there's a world behind that world and this is reality and we learn to think and minister through this true reality that we find in the prophets and then the Psalms and, and you know, Moses. This defines reality. We look through eyes of faith. Um, and I think this is why it's hard for people to uh, accept the gospel. It's hard to see past the things we can see, taste, or touch. But God calls us to a new reality in Christ by faith. It's very difficult. If you have a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. You, you can talk, but they have a different version of reality than you do. And, and until something happens, they can't understand you, and you've lost the ability to understand them a little bit. 
Um, but that's kind of how it is. There's this pitting of what we can see, taste, or touch. The Christ is in the grave, and the disciples can't understand it. But by faith, Christ is risen and stands in their presence. But they can't yet grasp it because it's it's a reality too far beyond. And if you don't approach it by faith, you, you'll never get it. In our world, suffering doesn't equal glory, right? We do everything we can to alleviate suffering. We say suffering's bad and it, and it can't be accepted, and so we use a lot of our energy in trying to stop the suffering. But in the words of Christ, Christ said he must suffer, die, and be risen again in three days. Again, he is that suffering servant motif, and instead of trying to stop the suffering in the Garden of Eden, or in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, let this cup pass before me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The humiliation of Christ on the cross was turned into a crown of victory. And in so doing, Christ warns us that we will be persecuted. Things will be bad. And we will suffer. If we suffer for the sake of Christ, our humiliation and our suffering will be turned into a crown of righteousness and a crown of glory. And that leads us then uh, to uh, the next one of the moments in this text would be um, why is it that in the breaking of the bread that they were able to understand? And I think that's because it's a perfect children's illustration. You have this whole piece of bread, and then you break it. Like the perfection is broken, in a sense, and then it's shared to the disciples, and then the disciples recognize Christ. In some way, we recognize that brokenness is the way that we begin to understand and apprehend by faith the mission that God has called us to. You break that bread, right? Like it's no longer whole. But then you share it, and then we come together as the body. It's broken, distributed, brought back whole. And so there's a sense in which brokenness is who we are. Uh, we're broken before God. The world is broken. We become rec uh, agents of reconciliation in the world. The bread's broken. It's shared. It's eaten. We consume it, and then we, we let it define our lives. We let it define our mission. And so the, the, the um, discussion question is, how do we navigate frustrations and disappointments in this life relative to the good news? Um, it's an important question because if you have faith and hope of redemption and of glory and of Christ making things right and, and executing true justice, you can put up with some stupid depression because you know it might be God working in your life to convert to make things right. Like you are a servant, you are you are the servant. You are a broken bread uh, that Christ blesses and gives to the world. All right, so that brings us to the learning from the scripture section. Um, what I get from this is that the gospel isn't for knowledge's sake alone, but it must be transformative. So when Christ breaks the bread and, and brings us into fellowship with Him, it's so that we might be witnesses to continue the ministry of the work of Christ. So in uh, verse. Luke 24, verse 48, Jesus tells the disciples, You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Again, look at what happens in the book of Acts. After Christ ascends, the Holy Spirit descends, you have preaching, you have healing, you have fellowship, you have worship. Everything that Christ began on this earth was continued in the early church, and so we continue that on. Uh, as the church. It is our primary responsibility to carry out the work of Christ as the body of Christ. 
think about what it means then to be Christian or to be the church in the world today. I think one of the highest callings that we have is both the preaching of forgiveness, that the world has beat somebody up. You can find forgiveness in the church in Jesus Christ. And then the second thing is, is also we are bringers of peace to the world. We are a place where peace can be created, not because we simply accept everyone the way they are or how they act or whatnot, but because Jesus Christ has become our peace. We can build peace on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. We show it in our actions and our words and how we treat people. But Jesus Christ sets the parameters for peace, and people are offered the opportunity to come into the peace of the church or the peace that they find in Jesus Christ. So then the discussion question is, when was the time you were, in, or you were surprised to see Jesus at work in your life? Um, mine was one day. There had been about a three-week span to where there was just administration in the church, and there was just these menial tasks that the preacher had to do. It was mop buckets and HVAC systems and getting ready for all kinds of things. I just remember just day after day, it was just in the office, just doing things that I didn't consider pastoral. And, and I remember thinking after somebody left, I started to pray, Lord, is this what you called me to? And surprisingly, I, the answer I received was yes. This is exactly what I called you to. And that uh, made me reevaluate that I was a servant in the hands of God for the people of God. And whatever they needed, that's what I was called to do. Um, and so what was frustrating to me turned out to be a little bit of joy knowing that, um, you know, I don't get to define what, what God wants from me or expects of me. God defines what I'm supposed to do. And, and if it's the menial task, it's what it is. You know, and once you accept that, uh, you begin to see that new reality that everything you do is for the glory of God and to the work of God. And so anyway, um, so ask your, ask your class about that. When was the time they were surprised to see Jesus at work? In this pandemic, again, there might have been things that we gloss over, but if we just take time to really look at it, Maybe something really good did happen, and we haven't given the proper thanks to God that it deserves. All right, then finally, uh, the applying the scripture section. There's five questions here on page seven, but I just want to focus on two of them. I'm going to focus on number three and five. Uh, number three, why is it essential that you share your testimony with your brothers and sisters? So in this text, what we saw was the disciples... Um, commune with Jesus and they're all excited and the first thing they do is go share their excitement and their joy and their witness to the other disciples and it's important because there's a lot of times man when we're all low who knows the testimony and the witness that these two disciples on the Emmaus Road came back to the brothers and sisters and it gave them hope and encouragement as well and it led them to uh, experiencing Jesus and I, I get tired and sometimes that's you know I need a brother or sister to to tell me the goodness of God, their experience too. I can rejoice with them and, and so on. That's just on the community side, the communal side, on your own personal side. The more you tell your story, the more you understand it, the more you can reflect on it, the more words that you can use to describe those things and share with other people. It's, it's a good thing to practice telling your testimony to, to people. And then number five, what is your Emmaus Road today? How do we journey together? So in other words, allow your class to be able to say, I don't see Jesus right now. I don't see Jesus in, the, in my life. Everything's off. I need, I don't see them. And then your Sunday school class acts as that um, 
you tell them your testimony when you have seen Jesus. Think together about where Jesus is present. Be intentional. Maybe you practice that prayer of examine, you know, to, to help train our minds and our hearts to see where Jesus is working. All right, now what I want to share is about a five, six minute clip of Reverend Derek talking about his experience uh, with this lesson. So here we go. So let me move back in because uh, I'll just go to lesson one and, and it's uh, RMAS Road and kind of leads into these on page six. You have three questions and it's uh, the three or the questions to focus upon in our reading are how does Jesus speak of himself? How does he see his ministry and work? What was the focus of that mission? And I think that's helpful for us as a church because our we are supposed to be the body of Christ, which means we do we do the work and ministry of Christ. And so we do need to make sure we're lined up because if your body's not working with your mind, it doesn't work real well, right? So I'll let you talk about those questions if you Well, I, again, I think it goes back to, um, you know, uh, you know, Jesus is very clear about who he is. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't get into this world that Jesus didn't know who he was. I, I, think he, I think he was aware of just who he was. I'm not sure when that happened. Certainly, by the time of his ministry, he knew he knew who he was, and it was because he, you know, consults with God in prayer, and so he he encounters people in the will of God, um, and so he is representing who he is. And when he says things like "I am the Father and one," you know, that's something that has been revealed to him, and something that is uh, part of his being, and he's going to share that with others. Uh, and so there's not this, uh, you know, we can trust him with what he says. He knows who he is. Um, and part of that is being able to then go back and understand all of history, of all, at least all of the theological history that we see in the Old Testament. And when Jesus begins talking to those two folks on the Emmaus Road, you know, uh, he is sharing with them from the Old Testament and the history and the prophets and the Psalms. And he's telling them, this is who I am. Um, and so we can trust who he is by reading the Old Testament and reading those things. And so that's important for us. And so if he knows who he is and then he's encountering us, he knows who we are. Um, and we see that with those disciples that, you know, he collects, he, he collects uh, these, these 12 guys who, you know, probably were not the, the top of their class, right? Um, but yet that doesn't seem to bother him and he knows who they are. I mean, for God's sake, he pulls Judas in and, and, you know, we have to think he knew who Judas was and knew what was going to happen with Judas, but nevertheless, he still brings them in and, and fellowship with them. So he knows who they are. And so I, that's one of those things that helps me to say, well, if Jesus knows who I am and he's not going to be ashamed of me, then, you know, perhaps I need to have a better view of who I am and, and my own self. Because, I, you know, we look at our world today and see so many people and I battle it, but with things with anxiety and depression and things of that nature, thoughts that, that we're not good enough, thoughts that we are um, nothing but disappointments. You know, Jesus doesn't. He's not disappointed in that. I mean, he calls us and he, 
and he motivates us. So, so for us to know who we are in him as beloved is so very important. And then, then what does that mean for us? If we know who Jesus is and we know who we are, then what do we do? And so that's where the, the idea of that, that witnessing comes in. What are we supposed to do? We bear witness. Uh, and bearing witness is not as difficult as we make it to be. Uh, bearing witness is, is how we breathe. It, it's, you know, you go, to, to go shopping and, and not be a jerk to people. Right? <laughs> being, being a witness. Uh, going, going somewhere uh, to, and, and going to a doctor's office and sitting in the waiting room and chatting with somebody that's there. And maybe they've just got the worst news of their life. You know, maybe they're waiting for a follow-up to an appointment where they've been told that, you know, there's no hope for them. We as a witness are sitting in that room to stand in the gap and to share. And Jesus calls us to those things. And, and those are just a couple of things that we do. I mean, it, it's everywhere. I mean, it, I mean, I could walk outside in a little while and talk to my neighbor and there's witnessing in that, you know, just how, how I'm asking my neighbor how things are going and um, you know, so I think it's us understanding that Christ knows who he is, he knows who we are, but yet he still called us to serve him, and that should give us great confidence to be able to make that, to step out and to do those. That was a, that was a thing a few years ago at GA was step out, step out. right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that's such an important thing, step out and, and go and, and live freely, you know, don't worry about what you think of yourself christ has already called you beloved called you a brother or a sister and and so yeah and then the and then also in that lesson you kind of anchor it down into not only those questions but then ultimately i think at the applying the scripture section or toward the end the other part that what we're going to learn is that we know with certainty who christ is right like um so like jesus explained from the Moses and all the prophets and so on, who exactly he was. And, and it does make life easier when you witness to something that you know. And so this is part of, um, so I, I like the fact that we, we bring that up. We, we have our commissioning, God knows us in Christ and we know God in Christ. And, and then therefore we can, we can witness in the world. So, um. all right, so. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May he give you power in your words and your teaching and preaching this week. And we'll meet again next week. Thank you for your uh, patience. I've had technical difficulties today, so I'm a little late, but bless you. <laughs>